Hello, handsomes, and welcome to Personally Speaking, the show where your friends tell true stories to make you laugh. Been looking at the numbers lately, and you guys are pretty much fully global now, so Personally Speaking is reaching pretty much every corner of the world, which is amazing. I love it. Uh, This show is literally just uh, me inviting people to say a few funny lines, um, be honest with one another, and then ask an audience to love them about it. Um, Usually people will mine their middle school trauma for jokes, and I cannot believe that that's resonating with so many of you. I'm so happy that it does, though. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are listening to this show and whenever you are listening to this show. Uh, We've got six stories for you today on the theme of envy, uh, a concept with which I'm intimately familiar. Uh, Jealous, jealous person. It's really gross. It's it's bad. But uh, I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can, trying to squeeze that stress ball and then let it go. Squeeze the stress ball and let it go. Uh, but a lot of people have, uh, have put together really great stories, whether it's, um, interestingly, two of the stories are from Texas, um, whether it's from childhood or Texas, uh, there are some really, really good ones. So, oh, there's also the sex museum. So whether it's from Texas or childhood or a sex museum, uh, there are a lot of laughs being pulled out of great places for this month's show. This is our first show in a fully public venue for real. Uh, We are now having a personally speaking at Open Space Cafe over on Fairfax in Hollywood, 457 North Fairfax to be exact. I would love to see you guys at the next show. Our next show is taking place on September 9th, Friday, September 9th, and get ready for it, next month's theme will be camp. Good? See you there? Excellent. All right, guys, let's just get into this. You know what we're here for. You know what we do. Pull up a beverage of some kind. Sit back. Enjoy the show. personally speaking before. All right. I am so sorry. Um, I'm going to have to let you guys down a little bit, but you're already here. We're locking the doors. Don't worry anymore. It's all over. Just let it happen at this point. Um, Personally speaking is a show, a living room comedy show, originally founded in Yes, My Living Room. You guys are now looking at something completely different from my carpeted living room with a microphone. Entirely different. Uh, what we do here is basically the uh, the entirety of this show is based on the idea that your friends know the best story and any friend of mine is a friend of yours. You have no choice in this. Uh, for those of you who do not know, we have three rules in Personally Speaking. The first being that stories have to be at least five minutes, no more than ten. If you go over ten, my phone alarm is going to go off and I will gently encourage you to please get the fuck out of my way and let me start talking again. Rule number two is, of course... 
that uh, the story has to be true, but only to the best of your perspective. All your heroes and all your villains are going to be all our heroes and all our villains. Finally, there are no content restrictions, but you do have to make us laugh. If you can make your clinical depression hilarious, I think you should do that. We, in con we condone that, if not celebrate it. I, um, I, put together, I put together a lineup that I think you guys are gonna appreciate. We've got six local, handcrafted, organic, cold-pressed, non-GMO storytellers for you tonight. Um, Cruelty-free, I cannot guarantee, but the rest I'm pretty sure about. We've got Megan Simon, Jamie Loftus, Celia Finkelstein, Brandon Burkhart, Kyra Myers, and Aviva Pressman for tonight. I, um, I recently started a job that I'm really excited to quit. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, no, I'm not excited to quit. It's, it's, gonna, it's really gonna be kind of a sad thing when I quit be, because I love the job, but I hate the clients. I started this job where, I, I don't know how, how else best to describe it except to say that it is a co-working space, which is kind of like a playground for trust funds with pent up double trust funds to burn. Um, the favorite, like the best, I, I noticed that everybody's favorite expression in these co-working spaces uh, is usually a rap lyric, something like respect the hustle, which <laughs> means something very different to moderately upper class uh, white people than it did to T.I., I would say. Um, or even like, even the softest rapper would have a more imaginative definition of respect the hustle than having like a porcelain succulent upon one's desk. Um, like Jay-Z sold drugs for two seconds, went to jail and that was it. Like that's the hardest Jay-Z's got. I, I feel like he still has a better idea of respect the hustle than someone who is hawking greeting cards that say things like, I'm so, so glad that two awesome people got married. I feel like we can get more creative than that. I think one of the most important things to keep in mind tonight is that everyone who gets on this stage desperately wants you to love them deeply and truly. <laughs> like that's it. Uh, I am of course excluded from such low, such low aspirations. But ultimately, that's the thing to keep in mind. Everyone up here wants to be loved just as much as you do. And the theme that we ask them to speak to you on for this month is going to be envy. And I don't know about you guys, but I get jealous about ludicrous things. I like uh, everybody talks about everybody talks about like, oh man, I feel so bad. Like my friend got that book deal, and I kind of hate them for it. I am so happy for your book deal. I'm so happy for your web series. I'm legitimately overjoyed when you get the movie role that you were hoping for. That's going to be the next big thing. But when you like the comment beneath my Facebook status and not my Facebook status? <laughs> Fucking go to hell. Leave me alone. Why do you hate me? Why do you hate I've questioned friendships over things like this. <laughs> DTF, doubting the friendship. I, um, I don't know, I get, yeah, I just get je jealous about really insane things. Like, I, I get jealous about men, which is the thing I want to care the least about. Uh, I get, I, I feel like, like in the post-apocalyptic uh, world that we are certainly about to inherit, like I'm the wild-haired homeless woman whose fingers like hooked around an empty Coke can. I'm like, it's mine. Like that's what, that's how my jealousy works. Like no one was trying to take it. <laughs> no one. It's fine. 
Um, but yeah, I obviously uh, I'm here to make other people look good, so let's let them look good. Your first storyteller coming to the stage uh, has an excellent talent that she and I share, which is to say that she's a blonde. Give it up for Megan Simon, folks. <laughs> much. I've been a blonde professionally for uh, four months now, and it's going really well for me. Um, my story tonight, it, it all starts and um, ends in San Antonio, Texas. Yeah. Woo! Countdown City! Because uh, the area code there is 210. <laughs> 2-1-0, countdown. It's great. Um, <laughs> I am 12 years old. At the time of this story, I was not. Just kidding. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm 24. I was 12 in this story. It was the seventh grade. Um, I was going to St. Peter, Prince of the Apostles, Catholic Middle School. Thank you. Um, <laughs> there, were, there were 32 kids in my entire seventh grade class. It was a very small school. Um, I had been at this school since the fourth grade. I was feeling so good about seventh grade, though. Um, I'd never been popular, but I was like... For some reason, this year's different. Um, I'm taking guitar class. <laughs> um, I am on the dance planning committee. Dang. Um, I had uh, two highlights on either side of my face <laughs> to frame my very round face. Um, four years later, I would discover bangs <laughs> and keep them forever. Um, I really thought that was my year. Um, I was excited because we had some new students. There were these twins, a fraternal, a boy and a girl twin at this school. Like, me getting highlights was, I, like, I thought was news. Um, but these two twins showed up and just ruined everything. Um, so there, the boy, his name was Matthew Saldivar, and he was one of five Matthews in this class now, because um, it's Catholic school. And uh, the girl was Alyssa Saldivar. And both of these twins were now the cutest person in the seventh grade. <laughs> I was livid. And I had theories. I would talk to my friends. Um, I was an only child. Well, I'm still an only child. Um, I've been an only child. I grew up on TV. Um, and I would just watch too much of it and then go to school and be like, do you guys think that those twins are aliens? <laughs> like in... Are you afraid of the dark or something? Um, and they'd all be like, no. <laughs> um, so I, as I said before, I was on the dance planning committee, and school had just started, so of course we had to get a dance up and pop in. Um, we selected our theme, and it was disco. <laughs> it was not my idea. Um, I was like, hey, what if we made it only half disco? <laughs> So we only have to listen to songs that we don't know for half the time. Um, and it was, it was going to be a three-hour dance. And I was like, okay, cool. So um, three, 300, 150 minutes will be disco. And then someone was like, you are the stupidest person in Catholic school. <laughs> um, and, but we decided that the second half would be just like our cool jams, um, just a lot of Little John and all of that stuff. So I was feeling so good. I was so excited for this dance. Um, the previously hottest guy in the seventh grade, his name's Matthew Cavazos. Um, he was the tallest boy, and he was also the first to get a weird mustache. And so I was like, eyes on the prize, girl. Matthew Cavazos is taking you to this dance. And when you're in the seventh grade, being taken to a dance is like you both show up 
like your parents drove you separately, and but then you like have to talk to each other the whole night. But I was like, this is gonna happen for me. Um, but the twins, remember them? Um, it was weird. Because <laughs> um, Matthew Cavazos asked Alyssa Saldivar to the dance. Um, and I was like, that's so strange because I've been here since the fourth grade <laughs> and she's new. Um, and that's how love works. It's like seniority. Um, and I, I guess I had a bunch of weird perspectives on dating um, because it, the first of all, the first one was like, oh, I've been here longer, I should date you. Um, and the second one was, after he asked her, I approached Alyssa and I was like, hey girl, just girl to girl here. I actually like Matthew Cavazos. Um, and I actually wanted to go to the dance with him. He didn't ask you, girl. He didn't ask me. Um, and Alyssa says, that's okay. I didn't really want to go with him anyway. And I was like, okay, well, then why did you say yes? Um, that's fine. Um, so, so I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah, I'll just tell him to go with you instead. <laughs> And I was like, this is the best P.E. of my life. <laughs> um, she's so cool. We're best friends now. I don't hate her. She's not an alien. Um, so she comes back to me a few periods later. Um, not like periods. I didn't have mine yet. Very late bloomer. Um, she comes to me a few periods later, and she's like, hey, so I talked to Matthew. And I was like, oh, my God, okay. So when do I meet him at the dance? Um, and she's like, he doesn't want to go with you. He said that he doesn't like you. Um, and at the time, I was like, oh, he doesn't like me like me. But now I'm like, oh, he probably didn't like me because I was weird as hell. Um, and so I'm upset. I feel scorned. My heart is broken. What about my chunky highlights? Um, what about I'm going to play guitar for the next 12 years? You'll see. He'll all see. Um, so... I was like, that's fine. You know what? The best revenge is to be hot. Um, <laughs> and Which is like a philosophy that I still have. Whenever I feel scorned, I just take a stunning photo of myself and blast it on the internet. With a funny caption, though, because I'm cool and relatable and not like a, you know, a pretty girl. Um, so... It's the dance. I'm in a tube dress that my grandma sewed straps onto because of dress code. Um, we bought it for $9 at Ross. Um, I was also the poor kid in Catholic school. I had a lot going for me back then. Um, so I get to the dance. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hot. Um, I see Matthew and Alyssa grinding, and I was like, where are all of the chaperones in Parish Hall right now? Um, no chaperones to be found. They're grinding. I'm crying in the back and not talking to anyone. Um, it's fine. Um, I was just thinking about, I was like, well, someday, um, actually, I'm going to be married to Orlando Bloom, so I don't even have to worry about this right now. Um, it's, we, we finished the disco portion of the dance, which no one liked. <laughs> No one liked it. Um, and now it's, now it's the cool portion. That's why they're grinding, because it's candy shop playing right now. Um, and we're 12! We're 12! There's 32 of us. Um, so I decide to take matters into my own hands, um, as I've always done. And I go up to DJ someone's dad, and I say, hey... 
Could you play this song and let me use the microphone and sing over it? Don't gas. <laughs> you acted like I just said, can I strip nude on stage? Um, I did. I asked him if I could do that, and he was like, yeah, sure. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and the song that I had chosen was Avril Lavigne, because I'm punky and mad. <laughs> and the song that I sang by Avril Lavigne was the one that's like, did you think that I was gonna give it up to you? This time. <laughs> Which is weird as hell for lots of reasons. Uh, the first one being I'm 12. Um, I haven't started my period yet. Um, the, the second one being Matthew Cavazos didn't think I was gonna give it up to him. <laughs> And he didn't want me to. <laughs> um, and the third being that uh, my, my voice cracked during a part of the song that I couldn't handle. Um, I, have much, I have a much better range now. I've been working on it. Um, but during this song, I am looking Matthew Cavazos fucking dead in the eyes. And I'm like, did you? Did you think? Did you think I was going to give it up to you this time? And all his friends are laughing, and I'm like, yeah, they're loving me. Um, and Matthew Cavazos is petrified. Um, but I leave the stage feeling really good. My, like, two friends in the whole school are like, oh, my God, that was so brave. <laughs> um, I'm feeling great. I, 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 we're high-fiving. We're doing all that stuff. Uh, Matthew Cavazos doesn't speak to me for the rest of 7th and 8th grade. Um, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, Incarnate Word. He went to an all-boys Catholic high school, Central Catholic. Um, I wasn't social, so I never saw him again. Um, but, but it's cool uh, because just a few months ago, I moved here from Austin. I moved here two months ago. Um, and a few months before that, I checked my Facebook DMs, and who has weaseled his way in there? Uh, Matthew Cavazos DMs me and he's like, hey, I saw that you announced that you're moving. Um, I know we don't really talk because it's been 12 years since you hum humiliated yourself in front of me. Um, but we should hang out sometime if you're ever in San Antonio. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck, you guys. Oh, shit. Fuck me. A well-adjusted woman now um, and I go to his Facebook page because I'm thinking about it and I haven't checked in on him in a while and all of his posts are like um, articles about how weed should be legal <laughs> and it's like well yeah sure that's okay but then there are also articles on how it's a conspiracy that weed's not legal <laughs> and so I was like you know what I thought he'd be a lawyer <laughs> by now, um, but he's actually just a, a big weed advocate like every other 24-year-old. So I think I'm good. I'm going to move to L.A. to pursue my dream of starving to death instead. <laughs> Thank you. Folks, keep it going for Megan Simon! Woo! Beautiful, beautiful. Middle school does not end that much, I know for sure. I know this, I think, partially because uh, the last time I was in middle school, one of the last, like, the big send-off, one of the last big things I did was um, 
perform an entire choreographed dance to Sierra's My Goodies. <laughs> I, I know this is probably shocking to you guys. I was not a fuckable 12-year-old. <laughs> um, so most people say, I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I was sent directly to the back of that choreographed dance. I was, uh, I was what you would, what in cheerleading terms would be called a bass. Um, and, uh, but a power base at that. Um, so I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I just, just remembered that. What a, what a treat. Middle school never ends, friends. I'm at the front of the stage now. Fuck it. Uh, I, I feel like, uh, just given the topic of the show, I, I realized recently when I was thinking about it that I keep, like, all, now that the internet is a thing, I keep all of my jealousy there. I don't, I don't usually let it out because, like the rest of us, I generally want to appear handsome and talented and cool, um, which I achieve at least, like, 14% of the time. Uh, and I, but I... <laughs> I used to be just a jealous, angry child all the time with beautiful platinum blonde hair. <laughs> and uh, which I feel like that's, that's a definitely a good way of showing off is just saying, like, I was blonde as a child. Um, <laughs> this costs $200 now. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, uh, one of my friends used to, uh, used to go to child therapy because he was so, just like so fearful. He had like so much more fear than he knew what to do with. And... Child therapy is different from adult therapy in the sense that, like, they don't want to let on that they're scared of what you could do. So there's just, like, toys floor to ceiling. Like, toys everywhere, crayons, canvases. They, like, they try specifically to make it, like, the most fun place to be where a kid can be a kid. So naturally, I hated him for that. I was like, why does he get to play with toys and talk about his feelings? This is bullshit. Uh, why does he get the anxiety disorder? What? I got it. I got it eventually. You know, it was like my period. It came in like eighth grade. Um, so I decided that I would punish him for that, for being fearful and getting attention for it. And I, um, I knew he was uh, scared of a lot of things, but I also knew that he liked to jump out and scare me and thought that that was cool. Uh, so I, I concocted a plan to, I guess, get back at him for getting attention, which in retrospect, is simple but elegant. I took every single stuffed animal that I owned at the time, which was an obscene amount, and piled them inexplicably in the center of my hallway at one point when, uh, when he was over, and I buried myself in the pile of stuffed animals and just waited for him to show up because I was like, he will associate the nice thing with a bad thing now. And I, as he was, <laughs> I distinctly remember waiting at least 35 minutes uh, for him to come. So just imagine like a child sitting, burying herself underneath a pile of stuffed animals, waiting to scare someone who has anxiety problems already. Uh, <laughs> As, like, as though that's like a fair fight for him like jumping out from behind something at me at once. Um, and, uh, and so he comes around the corner and I 
leap, make this giant arcing leap, and I can see his eyes start to widen, and like mid-leap where I'm just screaming, I realize immediately that I've made the wrong decision because I know that this is going to stay with him forever. <laughs> and it does. I recently spoke to him, and he absolutely recalls that as one of the most terrifying moments of his childhood. And as far as I know, now he can't even walk down a hallway that's filled with stuffed animals and not feel fear. It's just nuts. So uh, let's see. Who else do we have for you tonight? We have Celia Finkelstein. Get on up to the stage. Give it up for Celia Finkelstein. Uh, I'm jealous of happy people. Like, specifically happy couples in love, I hate them. Um, I don't have the best history of relationships. I was married for a long time, and I'm not anymore, so there's example one. And then um, uh, the longest relationship I've had since then was uh, a year-long relationship, and I was ghosted at the end of it because he was married. Uh, I didn't know he was married. And then I've been recently dumped, uh, the last two times I've been dumped, like, on a date. Actually, on a date. Uh, at the end of a date, which like don't just wait like uh, 12 hours just like b let the date end and maybe just be like oh I have an early meeting and then just wait 12 hours to dump someone you don't have to do it on the date in the car before they go upstairs it's not necessary so I have a lot of rage about uh, happy loving couples when I see them in public <laughs> and yet I put myself in these positions like I'm at the age where a lot of people in my life are getting married and I also uh, work in sex shops, uh, have worked in sex shops, do work in sex shops. So I put myself in a position where I'm constantly confronted with joy and love and people who are in healthy relationships. And one in particular, I, I worked at the Museum of Sex in New York for a long time. And um, I ended up being the weekend supervisor of visitor services, uh, which sounds way sexier than it was. <laughs> And um, so one day, I was told to come in early on the weekend because we were going to have a wedding. Um, a wedding at the Museum of Sex. You heard me right. So when at the time, the Museum of Sex is way fancier now, but at the time, it was very early in its uh, existence. And so when you, when you go in, there would be the, the ticket counter, and then you would go through these double doors to the gifts, uh, gift shop, where we sold exactly what you think we did, and then you would go uh, through the exhibit, uh, around, and then upstairs, and then back down to buy your butt plugs. And, um, and so I came in, I was told to come in early that I should expect the decorating guy, and the cake lady, and the neon guy, and the body paint guy, and the nymphs uh, for the wedding. So I came in, and as promised, all of these people came through. And the decorating guy was sort of in the corner, like blowing up blow-up dolls and setting them up. So they were like in 69 positions hanging around the room. And then there was like also this uh, sculpture guy who came in, and, the, and there were like a series of hands that were set up around the perimeter. And each of the hands was ha like, one had like a handcuff on it, and one was like a fist. Uh, and one had like anal ease in it. <laughs> Which like, side note, don't, don't use that. That's bad for you. Just patience and lube is what you need. Don't use Annalise. So, uh, and then the cake came, 
And the cake was set up under a lovely sign that said fresh meat, a neon sign that said fresh meat. <laughs> and the cake looked like meat. Uh, the bottom layer was like, looked like a pile of cold cuts. And the middle layer looked like a, like a little circle of pork chops. And then the top was a crown, ro- like a crown. I'm a Jew and a, and a vegetarian, so it's the thing that I see at Christmas dinners with like, it looked like the crowns, a crown roast, I don't know. Anyway, that's what it was. <laughs> and so we're preparing for the, for the wedding to happen and, and everything is set and it's beautiful. <laughs> and, um, and then the guests start to arrive, and it's like uh, United Nations of fetishes. Like it's like, like there's like me- people dressed in rubber, and diapers and furries, it, like everything you can possibly imagine. And they're all piling into the gift shop, and then um, the painted nymphs enter with caution tape, and. D- set the aisle like they all run in in their nymph costumes with caution tape and like create an aisle for us to for the bride and groom to come through and the wedding is about to begin and we're all standing there in anticipation because what the fuck is happening (laughs) and um and so first the pastor comes out and it was very kind of him to do it it was david lee roth flown in from 1984 (laughs) He, like, came in and gave his time. And then the groom came in, and uh, he was wearing leather underwear, which I know because he wasn't wearing pants. (laughs) So he walks in, and he's wearing his leather underwear and, like, a corset and uh, thigh-high boots. And then the bride walks in, and she's wearing a black corseted gown that comes just, like, just below her vagina. (laughs) And they... They walk down the aisle, and they they meet at the end of the aisle, and they proceeded to have the most normal fucking wedding I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, down to, like, sickness and health, and, like, richer or poorer, and, like, love, honor, and obey, and, like, first Corinthians and shit. Like, and I stood there, and I was... I was rage-filled because why would you go to this much... You have analies at your wedding... And you're doing, like, uh, First Baptist Church shit. Um, And it was lovely. They were weeping and holding hands, and their guests were weeping and holding hands. And everyone was overjoyed at this expression of love, this, like, group expression of love. It was beautiful. And, um, and, And I stood there, and I, this is quite a while ago, uh, and I stood there and I was like, what the fuck? Like, this is so bizarre. Fuck you for this. <laughs> and then I got married myself. <laughs> and then it fell apart. And, um, and so now I look back at it like 10 years later and I, and I make fun of, I made fun of these people and I told this story for years at parties and stuff. And when I was thinking about this, uh, this tonight and telling the story, I, I started thinking, I was like, why was I so, uh, why was I so offended by it? And I keep thinking because it struck me as I was thinking about the story that these people had found the person who took them entirely as they were, right? Like, they didn't compromise at any point. They weren't like, oh, that guy's got, like, 
you know, shitty taste in clothing and like he says selfish things sometimes, but all right, fine. Or like he wears mom jeans. <laughs> they said yes to the person in front of them in their whole self. And they felt confident enough to do that because they were surrounded by people who said yes to them in their whole selves. And so I stand here in front of you going, my love life is shit. Uh, but it's because I'm waiting for that person who sees me for my whole self. And so I no longer feel jealous of them uh, or like rage-filled towards them. I actually have tremendous respect for them because I think that's all we all need, right? The person who uh, loves us in our leather underwear and our <laughs> vagina dress. <laughs> Reciting First Corinthians in the sex museum. Thanks. Um, into my shoes at some point. Uh, guys, I just want to keep it going at this point. We've got some momentum. I feel like it's been worked up, so I'm just going to bring your next comic up. You know her, you love her. She is eating one of your favorite novels. It's Jamie Loftus coming up to the stage. It's uh, Infinite Jest. I mean, in Infinite Jest. In case anyone's wondering, I don't have it on me, but I'm about 100 pages deep. It's been six months. <laughs> I, I think that I will die before, I'm uh, before the, the job's completed, but, you know, I, and, and not because I'll be too old, because I'll die of ink poisoning. Um, I've called Poison Control about it, and their advice, surprisingly, is don't do that. So... I'm, uh, I'm pursuing my dreams, you know. Uh, I was thinking about envy, and I think that, I mean, I, I'm envious of a lot of things because uh, I'm not a confident person. Uh, but I, I think the thing I, I'm most jealous of in the entire world is people who have no self-awareness. Because <laughs> that's like the most precious gift you can be given is being a big dumb idiot, right? Because <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm, I have a lot of self-awareness in spite of this $8 outfit from H&M that I'm wearing. Um, I, I have a lot of self-awareness, and it's a nightmare. It's the worst thing that can happen to you. And it was like when I was younger, I was a big dumb idiot because that's what children are. Don't believe uh, anything else. Any other descriptor of children is inaccurate. They're just small, doughy idiots that you could easily kill if you wanted to. I've been watching a lot of Dateline, guys. Uh, but uh, when I was a kid, uh, I, I sort of, you know, you have that feeling where you're living completely for yourself. And so one of the first things I, I felt very, very intensely jealous of when I was a little kid, I was nine years old, was I got really jealous of 9-11. On 9-11. Hear me out. I don't tell 9-11 jokes really ever because I'm not trying to get like upstaged by a nation's grief or anything <laughs> but on actual this is a storytelling show so on uh, September 10th 2001 
Lil Jamie Loftus had the immense pleasure of going to her first Backstreet Boys concert. Very exciting. Uh, was purchased a t-shirt that I was so thrilled to go to school the next day and show my crush, Kenny Evans, my cool new shirt, right? And uh, he, because Kenny Evans loved the Backstreet Boys, he is now married to a man. Uh, <laughs> but at the time, I was like, I'm gonna go show Kenny Evans my cute shirt. So I waltz into fourth grade uh, with my oboe and <laughs> my Backstreet Boys t-shirt, and I swear to God, I am getting the courage to approach Kenny Evans, and like I am walking towards him when our, when our teacher, who has adult braces, this is, I remember very clearly, uh, <laughs> like hisses through her adult braces, there's been a national tragedy. I was like, no! <laughs> this was my day! And then Kenny is like, I have family that lives in New York. I was like, no, Kenny! <laughs> Come back! Uh, but that, like, I, and I get jealous of other stuff. I get, like, jealous of uh, people who get to see my dad more than me because I really love my dad. So I, like, get jealous of, of my little brother because he gets to, like, live with my dad. And I get jealous of my dad's boss because he gets to work with my dad. I get jealous of my dad's girlfriend because she gets to kiss my dad on the lips. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> But as a person w with self-awareness, it's not so chill that I want to fuck my dad so bad, you know? <laughs> but I do, you know? <laughs> I do want to fuck my dad. <laughs> but you can't do that, you know? But my dad and I, like, we really, there's been, like, some tense jokes made about it uh, on major holidays, because there is, like, a vibe between us, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like a Dawson's Creek season three vibe between us. We're like, you know, pass the butter or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but like, and I say, I say Dawson's Creek season three because like we haven't kissed yet, right? But you know we're gonna. <laughs> and we're just waiting for sweeps, you know, me and dad. Uh, but I think that the person I, I get really, I get jealous of my parents because they have absolutely no self-awareness, um, which is how you produce multiple children with anxiety disorders, just so you know. My parents, this is, this is true, my parents named me after a past miscarriage they had. Oh. Guys, I'm fine. It's okay. <laughs> Other baby, we know what happened. I, it's, it's in the name. Uh, but my parents, they did. They named me after a miscarriage, and there was absolutely no reason to do it other than they're like, well, we still like the name, you know? Like, it's <laughs> horrifying. My mom, like, Jamie is not a family name. There was no need to use it more than once but because my mom found my name uh, when she was, like, watching a, a QVC special about, <laughs> about porcelain dolls, right, in the late 80s, and... She uh, saw this little blue porcelain doll uh, as a little glass fancy boy named Jamie in a blue suit, right? And she was like, I'm going to name as many children as it takes <laughs> to get my little glass boy. <laughs> and then she had me, and uh, in, in just her legacy of no self-awareness, which I do deeply uh, envy, she also purchased this doll and gave it to me on my 13th birthday. <laughs> 
because like how else will I know I'm a woman uh, <laughs> unless my mom gives me a creepy doll and uh, I had the doll made into a lamp that to date has seen me have sex with everybody I've ever had sex with <laughs> so that's good uh, and I, I, like, I get jealous I, I'm just trying, I went, was going through like a laundry list I'm like wow I'm jealous of everything and everybody all the time so I'm going to be doing about an hour of material. Uh, <laughs> but uh, another thing I get, I get jealous in relationships a lot. I don't get jealous of other people in relationships because that's nasty, right? And uh, like my, my, a lot of my friends are starting to get married and that's fine. I mean, and then the rest of them are like, oh, like why can't I find a soulmate? And I, like, I think it's easy to find a soulmate. You just need to like tape a, a picture of a Backstreet Boy to to an SUV and like have sex with a tailpipe or whatever, <laughs> so like I'm not jealous of other people, but I I do get jealous in uh, relationships in general, and that like leads to to anxiety disorders. You know, it leads to trouble. It's a bad road, and I have a pre-existing condition that makes me very susceptible to having anxiety disorders, which is that I'm a white lady. Uh, <laughs> With not really a lot of good problems, <laughs> but I like being sad. So I, <laughs> I like went back on my anxiety medications to try to try to undo some of the damage my big dumb parents uh, did, you know. And uh, I like you know if, if it seems like I'm sorry. I looked at everybody in the room. I'm like everyone here is on pills. Uh, <laughs> so we all know, like. I've gone like on and off anxiety medication through the years and uh, like you know that moment when you're like okay it's time for me to go back you know beca because you just have like a very specific irrational thought and then you're like whoa that's not we can't do that we can't do that we cannot have sex with our dad uh, <laughs> but for me this time when I went back uh, I was very clearly I was sitting in my apartment I was eating macaroni and cheese out of the pan it was covered in vinaigrette dressing right that's not the crazy thing that is how I like my mac and cheese uh, because if you are from a, a, a poor family like like me you know that salad dressing is actually a food group so uh, but I, I was eating it and then I had this very specific thought which uh, was this and I still think this might be a good idea uh, I was like, oh, I know what I'll do, right? I'm just going to, like, drop off the grid and, like, move to the woods and live out the rest of my life as a beanie baby, right? <laughs> That's it. And I haven't been back on the pills long enough to think it's, like, a really bad idea. <laughs> and, I like, every time I say it out loud, I, I'm like, this is actually a great idea, you know, which just means I need a higher dosage. But... Uh, like, think of if you, okay, hear me out. If we move, if we all moved tonight, we went to the woods and lived out the rest of our lives as Beanie Babies, it would be great. We would write short poems about our interests and staple them to our heads. That's kind of neat, right? <laughs> if we go to get a Happy Meal, there's just a smaller version of ourselves inside. And that's, like, scary but also dope. And <laughs> then, like, when it comes time to put ourselves out to pasture, and we'll know like when the time comes, we just put ourselves on eBay, right? And like sell ourselves to like a, a, a lady in Oklahoma, like a middle-aged lady who's like grieving her son who died in a roadhead accident or whatever, <laughs> you know? 
I have really strong opinions on Roadhead, but that doesn't have to do with the topic. But uh, <laughs> approach me. I'll shout them at you. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep going with, with the anxiety thing. We've, wor- we've hit 9-11. We've hit pills. We've hit dad fucking. Let's end it with a suicide reference, gang. I, I called a suicide hotline a couple months ago. Don't freak out. I'm great. Uh, but I, I, was, I called a suicide hotline, and I was on hold for 45 minutes. Please think about that for a second. <laughs> I was on hold for 45 minutes. Do you have any idea how many different ways you could end it all? in 45 minutes, right? Because I spent 45 minutes thinking of a list, right? You could put your head in an oven, put your head in a microwave, put your head in your sharp-toothed nephew's mouth, right? There's a million ways. And then I finally got through, and what I forgot was, when you call a suicide hotline, um, the person on the other line is a volunteer, right? They're not a trained professional. And if you've ever volunteered anywhere, think about like how hard and qualified like you were for that job. Like how hard <laughs> were you actually trying? You know, like I joined Key Club in high school uh, so that I could get finger banged by Stephen Walsh behind the YMCA, right? <laughs> and that shit worked. Uh, so, so like I was, I, I forgot I'd be talking to a volunteer, and she was trying so hard. She was so sweet. Uh, she picked up the phone and she was like. Hi, this is Cecilia, life's worth living. And I was like, (laughs) oh no, like I'm gonna bully this suicide hotline operator. (laughs) Suddenly I'm feeling a lot better. Uh, (laughs) But I I, I sort of explained to her what was going on. She was clearly very young, not quite sure what was going on. And uh, it was a Saturday night. And um, she was trying so hard to like level with me. And she's like, well, if you need a reason to make it through to tomorrow, Game of Thrones is on tomorrow, and <laughs> have you seen Game of Thrones? It's good. And I was just like, uh, no, Cecilia, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. I'm not a fucking nerd like you, okay? And she took this information in and uh, was still trying to help, to her credit, and uh, I was like, I don't have, you know, I don't have HBO, and she was like, uh, well, if, if you need a reason to live to, till tomorrow to watch Game of Thrones, my uncle has an HBO Go account, <laughs> right? And so the story ends uh, where not only am I feeling great and full of life, uh, but I have an HBO account now. This <laughs> 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 is great. And I uh, almost bullied a suicide hotline operator to death. Thank you. <laughs> I am very curious to know what, if any, indigestion problems come up from eating uh, Infinite Jest, so keep us posted. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I had, I've had trouble with jealousy in the sense that I also have trouble with saying my feelings. Um, I get really mad when I don't communicate my feelings in any way and then also realize that nobody knows what I'm feeling. Um, I, like, if there was a way to communicate, communicate 
intimacy or tenderness or caring or violent rage through Twitter faves. That would be ideal for me. Um, if there was a way, maybe, I mean, people are, okay, raise your hand, raise your hand, show of hands. Raise your hand if you have come murderously, dangerously, like, panic attack close to accidentally hitting the fave heart button on Instagram 52 weeks deep into somebody's Instagram. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Interesting that the rest of you have lied, but okay, that's fine. I feel like the rest of you guys are the ones who are like, oh God, and then you unfave it, because you did, you did, you did do that. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got a really good, really good rest of the show for you guys, so I'm gonna keep it moving along. Um, this next comic is uh, a friend of the show, has been on Personally Speaking before, back when it was just in the living room. Um, I feel like it's important to to maintain some diversity, I guess, you know, so I'm just gonna like throw the guy a bone here. Guys, put your hands together for Brandon Burkhart. Brandon. About to call that suicide hotline for you. You're gonna hang yourself. <laughs> Uh, so it's a bit of a theme show today, because uh, like your first storyteller, I'm from San Antonio, the countdown, Alamo City, and like her, I am uh, over 23 years old. <laughs> I'm between 23 and 44, somewhere in that range, you can figure it out later. Very similar experiences. So uh, when I was a kid, um, I only wanted one thing in life. Well, I wanted two things in life, actually. Uh, one was to be Spider-Man because who wouldn't want to be Spider-Man, right, ladies? Uh, I want to be Spider-Man. Also, I, I wanted to have thin, tight, barely visible lips. Because you have to understand, when I was smaller, my lips were even more out of proportion with my face. Like in, in adulthood, I've grown into my lips. But when I was little, my lips would enter the room before I did. And that was not good, because... All you want in, in grade school was to fit in and to be average and to not be noticed. Like I wasn't jealous of the beautiful people. I was jealous of the average people that had nothing that made them stand out because kids latch on to whatever they can, can point out as different. And so I was always ridiculed from my lips. And kids had so many nicknames for, for me. You know, in elementary school, it was simple. It was like, Hey, fish lips. And I want to tell them, like, fish don't have lips like that. The cartoon fish, every cartoon fish, they would draw these giant lips. And so kids would think that was what I had. I'm like, that's not biologically accurate. It's a cartoon fish. Fish have no lip flesh. They just have mouths. But So I got fish lips a lot. Uh, I get big, I get, hey, big lips. Hey, fish lips. And, um... I would lay uh, in bed at night. Um, this is all true and sad. I'd lay in bed at night and I'd try to hold my lips in like this, like I was a, like a feral dog snarling, hoping that I could train my lips to curl inward and get smaller. Um, because kids would look at me and they would, they would stick out their lips to mock me. They'd, get, they'd do this to me. And uh, kids would do this to me. And I, I thought that was a regular kid thing. Like, I told someone a couple of years ago, like, remember when kids make fun of other kids by doing this? And this girl was like, what the hell are you talking about? That's fucked up. 
I guess it was just special for me, that mocking. So I would get, I would get that, you know, and because uh, I was growing up in the 80s, it was a bad time for Big Lips because it was 15 years after the heyday of Mick Jagger and 15 years before the heyday of Angelina Jolie. So it was just like this, this Big Lip desert where it wasn't cool yet. And uh, I also was a freak because there were no Brandons back then. It feels weird now to say it, but there were, I was the only Brandon. Like, you want to be average. I wanted to have a name like Jason or Michael or, or Jim, and I wanted to have thin lips, and then people would leave me alone. But uh, then I got what I wished for, but it made things worse because in seventh grade, I had my first other Brandon in the classroom. And, you know... When kids are like in that hormonal 12, 13, 14 year old phase, they're meaner than ever. Like they're much more mean than when they're nine or 10 because they have the hormones and they, they want to, like the boys want to show how cool they are by putting down, you know, busting balls at other kids. They want to show the girls how cool they are by being mean to other kids and showing how in control they are. So I was in the worst moment of my life was like first day of biology class in seventh grade. And there's another brand in there, Brandon Carastory. I still remember his name. It was with a K. It was like some kind of Polish name. So was, I'm Brandon Burkhart. There was Brandon Carastory. And the teacher was like this little old lady, like grandma type. And she's looking at the roster and taking attendance. And she's like, oh, there's two Brandons. How do I tell you Brandon's apart? <laughs> that was like the worst open-ended question <laughs> in a rabid pool of hormonal seventh graders. Like... I mean, she could have said, because the, the other guy was blonde, she could have said, oh, you're blonde, Brandon, you're brunette, Brandon. Or she could have said, you'll be Brandon B, and you'll be Brandon K. I mean, it was worse being Brandon because there's no nickname for Brandon. Like, if, it, you know, if you're in a class and there's two Roberts, they'd be like, okay, you'll be Bob and you'll be Robert. So you can, but it was just like, you're Brandon and Brandon. And she said, how do I tell you two apart? And then Roger Martinez, one of the cool bully types who I'd known since third grade, points at me and says, that one there is called Lips. And everyone burst out laughing. And I was just, if, if, if it had been a Stephen King novel, I would have made him burst into flames in my brain. <laughs> but it, I just kind of sunk in my chair. Everyone laughed, and that stuck and followed me around the next five years of my life. I was called Lips everywhere I went. Every day at school, this is me at school, like in the schoolyard. People, I'd be walking around, people would, say, would go, Lips, hey, Lips, hey, Lips, Lips, Lips. And I wanted to train them. To stop, so I would I would feel embarrassed and hot-headed, but I would never turn around. Like I'm not going to turn around, and that's not my name. So it would always go like this: lips, hey lips, over here, lips, Brandon. And then I turn around, but the training never stuck because the next day it was hey lips, hey lips, hey lips. Um, and I'd lay in bed at night, hold my lips in. Also, whenever there were uh, photos taken, I had this really cool move for photos because I felt like I was a huge freak. You know, like the movie Elephant Man came out, and I'm like, I can relate to that guy. So um, I thought I was a monster. So whenever there was a photo, and, and I was a kid, I would always find an excuse to thoughtfully lean my mouth into my hand. I'd pose like this, very, very natural. I'd be like, Oh, oh, there's a camera there. <laughs> or I do this, I just move like where I'm in deep thought. I'm in deep thought. I'm taking such deep thoughts, I need to cover my mouth with my finger. <laughs> so I would do that. Um, and I thought, you know, uh, for sure, uh, no girls ever want to kiss me because I'm like, I'm just this hideous monster. So I just thought I was going to die alone. Um, and then in, in my senior year, I got my first girlfriend. I mean, I didn't get her, she got me. She asked me out because I was terrified of uh, ever talking to a girl but she asked me out and she tricked me into kissing her like she's like oh kiss me on the cheek and then she kissed me and uh 
this was when I was 17, and she said to me, I think your lips are sexy, and I started crying <laughs> because I never thought anybody would ever accept my hideous deformity. I was like, she didn't run screaming. She kissed my lips, and it didn't, like, freak her out. Like, she accepts me. And I was, I was just, I just, you know, very sexy for your boyfriend in high school just start crying because you kissed him. I'm like, oh, you kissed me. You're not. She's like, I love your lips. I'm like, you do? I thought she was the one girl. I'm like, I got to marry this one. She's the one girl who has this weird fetish with giant fish lips. Um, and uh, oh, uh, so uh, that was great, you know, that she broke that, that fear I had, although then she left me for my best friend, so that didn't stick. Uh, but as I started dating, my deformity was an asset because women would say, oh, I love your lips. I love kissing your lips. You're like the best kisser ever. I'm like, what? Like the, the, the ugly duckling with giant duck lips was now a beautiful swan with big duck lips. <laughs> and uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, speaking of uh, friending on Facebook, uh, that guy Roger Martinez, the one who tagged me with lips in seventh grade, you know, when you join Facebook, everyone from high school, you become friends just because, oh, you went, to, you went to school with me. We're friends now, whether you like them or not. And then, like eight, like eight nine years ago, Roger Martinez wrote to me. He DM'd me on Facebook. <laughs> and he said, hey, Brandon, I, I do a lot of business in Los Angeles. I'm there like once a month. We should have a drink sometime. And I want to say, you fucking cursed me, asshole. I'm not, I just didn't respond to his message. Because it's really mature to hold a grudge for 20 years. <laughs> I'm just like, nope, uh, you have no right to have drinks with me because you ruined my life. She probably doesn't remember doing that, but <laughs> I remember. Um, so uh, as I got older, you know, my face grew in, and uh, I still have big lips, but like, oh, when I started internet dating in my 20s and 30s, my profile name was Big Lips Brandon. Because that was my way of taking power. I was, I was taking back the night. Like, I'm owning this. Yeah, I'm saying it out loud. And girls would be like, oh, you got big lips. I like them. So, it, so many women have enjoyed them now, even though I just wanted them to go away so badly. Um, although uh, a couple of years ago, I was with a friend of mine, and uh, we'd been flirting a lot and hanging out a lot, and uh, she and I were having drinks. This is when I was 41 years old, two years ago. And we're drinking, and she says to me, you know, uh, I've been thinking about dating you because I like you. I think you'd be a good partner for me, and I have so much fun with you. But to be honest, I'm intimidated by your lips. Like I'm, uh, Diana knows her too. Uh, I'm intimidated by by your lips. They're just I, I don't know if I can handle them. Like I'm a little terrified of kissing you, and uh, I felt weird being rejected. But I wanted to say thank you for making me feel like a kid again. <laughs> good night. I do love being up here. Uh, so, 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 uh, just wonderful story that just reminded me. Uh, when I was in, like, the terrible years, like early high school, um, not that they ever stop, am I right, guys? Uh, so when I was in early high school, pool parties started happening and becoming a very different breed of animal than... Uh, than pool parties when you're in like an inflatable pool and everyone's wearing you know something ridiculous pool parties in early high school it was like oh by the end of this we better all be making out in the hot tub never happened but it was the kind of thing where all of a sudden you become and develop this like you become way more sexualized whether or not you want to be and so that was it was at that point 
that I started um, I started wearing swim shorts. It was like it was the it was like the uh, the like the guy who wears a t-shirt into the pool. You know, you like everybody knew that you just kind of like felt bad about yourself and wasn't gonna say anything about it. They're just like, oh, let him have it, let him have it. And so I would wear swim shorts while every other girl was wearing like bikini bottoms, looking cute, looking fresh, having names like Amber and Crystal and stuff like that. Like those are the girls who can wear bikinis at 14. Um, and so I, uh, the real reason was I was terrified of my pubic hair. I was like, Jesus God, what do I do with this? I'm a monster. I've got to hide it. But whatever. <laughs> now I've done it. Um, <laughs> we're gonna roll with it. Um, what every girl around me was saying at the time was like, oh, I hate my thighs. I would just hear girls say this all the time around me, like, I hate my thighs. I just like, I hate my thighs, though. Like, do you ever think about how you just like, hate your thighs? They're like gargantuan. They're like this ugly tree. Two trees together. They're squished so close. And I was just like, okay, well, if I say that I hate my thighs, then I can have a reason to wear the swim shorts and kind of be like the cooler girls. So I started wearing these swim shorts and started saying that it was because I hate my thighs and I'd get these like sympathetic nods like, oh, yeah, we get it. <laughs> the problem with lying is you start to believe the lie. So over like years of saying like, oh, I hate my thighs, oh, I hate my thighs, I started hating my thighs. And the, um, the most delightful thing happened in recent years, which is that I be, became slash realized I was a feminist and started growing my pubic hair out again. And so now when I wear swim shorts, I'm just like, nobody deserves this glorious bush. I'm not showing it off, but I feel great about it. <laughs> There's a difference there. There's a victory to it. I'm like, they don't deserve it. It's me. It's just for me. Um, coming to the stage to bring to bring even more light and joy to this wonderful evening is going to be Kara Myers hosting Jen and Kara's sleepover party. Hey guys, I uh, am also jealous of people in love, mostly because I'm always the single friend. So when I start dating someone or talking to someone, I just assume it's my time and I like hold on to them for dear life. I'm like, you're the one. <laughs> It doesn't work out, guys. Um, that's not how you do it. But this, this is a story about the first time I fell in love in LA, and I had no idea he turned out to be a sociopathic dickhead. Um, <laughs> his name was Gary. That should have been a sign. Who's named Gary? And he, <laughs> he also looked like Gary Sinise, which actually was like a really good thing for me because Forrest Gump is my favorite movie, and I love Lieutenant Dan, so I was like super into it. Um, but we met at an improv class like you do in Los Angeles and <laughs> only in Los Angeles. And we had that like instant chemistry, like the cliche kind of chemistry where the, like if you tour in the room, nobody else matters. You talk to each other all the time. You're the only person the other thinks about. And I remember the first night we ever like actually hung out, he walked me to my car and he like said goodbye to me and like hugged me for just like a little too long and a little too tight. And I was like, this is it. This is the man I'm gonna marry. And I called my best friend and I was like, Amanda, I met him, I met the love of my life. We're gonna get married, like get ready. And she was like, oh, how long have you guys been dating him? I was like, we met tonight, but it's fine, don't worry. And she hung up the phone and told me to get a life because she knows better than me. So a couple months go by and we're flirting and we're talking and he asks me to come over one night after improv class. 
I, of course, say yes. And I'm driving to his apartment. I'm like, okay, Kara, this is it, but you can't sleep with him. You have to respect yourself more than you really do because nobody sleeps with the guy that they're going to marry the first time they get a chance. You have to keep it together. And we get to his apartment, and it was amazing. You guys, the whole night, we just sat there, and we talked for like five or six hours, and it was beautiful. It was like everything that movies are made out of. And then we had that like awkward conversation you have, like, where should you sleep? And I was like, oh, I'm cool. I can sleep on the couch. And he was like, no, sleep on your bed. I'll sleep on the couch. And I was like, okay. So I slept on his bed, and then, I swear to God, later, no later than like five minutes, I turn around, and he's just standing in his doorway with just his boxers on and just staring at me. <laughs> and I was like, um, you could join me? Like, I didn't know what to do. And so he hops into his bed and then just starts, like, holding me and caressing me, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so beautiful. It was a really nice moment. But then he starts, like, pulling my hair, and not in, like, a cute, like, teasing way, in, like, that, like, mid-fuck way where it's, like, too hard. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I should turn around now. So I roll over, and I see him on all fours like a dog with his dick out. I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Do I jerk it like a horse? Or do I, like roll underneath him and be like, hey, put it in. Like, I didn't know what to do. So I just like rolled back over and went to sleep like anybody else would. <laughs> and then in the morning, we hugged and I left. And um, looking back, like that night was just the first in like a series of red flags that I neglected to see. <laughs> Seriously, you guys, there were so many red flags. First of all, like 90% of our conversations were about how he's super insecure now because he had recently lost 50 pounds. And he's like, I feel like I'm more leading man material, but I don't know if I'm ready. And I was like, Gary Sinise is barely leading man material. Get over yourself. Like, come on, you know? And he would always text me late at night. And I was like, oh, it's because he's a bartender and he's thinking about me at work. But really, he was texting me late at night because, oh, you guys. So we became friends on Facebook and, all on, and on Instagram, and I decided to creep him and do the, like, uh, see what pictures you're tagging to see what kind of life we would have together and to see what he likes to do on the weekend with his friends. <laughs> and there it was, a three-year relationship that he was still in. I know, but you guys, he loved me, so I didn't stop talking to him because he loved me. We talked about his insecurities. He invited me over late at night. I meant something. This is everything I told myself. I gave him every excuse you could possibly give someone because I'm so afraid to be alone, but it's fine. I have a cat. <laughs> and so we kept hanging out despite the fact that I knew he had a girlfriend, but he never talked about it. And uh, we ended up sleeping together about three months after we started hanging out. And two days after we slept together, he texts me and says, hey, I'm not upset that we had sex. I'm just upset that I ruined our friendship. Yeah, it was awful. So I just went down like an instant shame spiral because I didn't know friends texted each other and said things like, I dream about getting titty slapped by you, which is also another sign that he loved me because that's what boys say to girls they respect. Um, but... Oh, you guys, I got so bad. I creeped his girlfriend so hard on Instagram that I felt like I knew her and she was my own friend. 
that when someone would bring something up, like, oh, hey, like, we should go to Shakespeare in the park. I'm like, yeah, my friend went and said that was really great. No, she went and I saw it on her Instagram. It was so, I was so jealous of their relationship. And we, me and him didn't talk for two months. And then out of the blue, he texts me at three in the morning. And he says, hey, I'd really like to be your friend. If you could make that work, that would be great. And I said, oh my God, yes, because he loves me. You guys, he thought about me for two months. At least that's what I told myself. And so we started hanging out again. And um, he asked me to come over one night and watch True Blood with him because (laughs) we're the last two people in the world that watch True Blood. And so I did, and I went over there, and I was like, you're not going to sleep with him this time, Kara. And (laughs) I get there, and we're hanging out. We do the, like, five hours of talking. We did not watch True Blood. And then we had that weird conversation you have, like, where do you sleep? And I took the bed. He took the couch. He joined me about ten minutes later. (laughs) But um, this time I did not roll over when he started pulling my hair, and I stayed asleep. But in the morning... (laughs) He had the biggest boner I'd ever seen in my entire life this morning. Like, literally, and it, it was, like, an annoying boner. And he kept looking at his boner and then looking back at me and then looking at his boner, and I was like, uh-uh, I am not touching that. And then all of a sudden, he just starts masturbating, looking oh at me God. dead in the eyes and go, I just want to be your friend so bad. I want to be your friend so bad. So I took my top off in hopes this would like help things go along because I didn't know what else to do. And then he came everywhere and we hugged and I left. And that is the last time I saw him because three weeks later he moved in with his girlfriend and they are still together. I know this because I still creep her on Instagram. Even though he is literally the worst person I've ever met, and I'm still so jealous of their relationship. It's awful. But I, so I went on like I had like a year. I was like I was just depressed for a year. I was blacking out, making my friends take care of me. I w- refused to date anyone. I like lost a few friends because I was like so badly depressed, and I was mad at myself mostly. I was like, how could I be this person? who like knowingly sleeps with a guy with a girlfriend and then expects him to leave her. Like, I watch Sex and City. They never leave the girl. You know what I mean? And so a year later, I was finally ready to start dating, and I met someone, coincidentally, also named Gary. But you guys, it, it was going really well. Our first date was great. Our second date was even better. So the third date comes around, and you know what they say, like, on the third day, you should have sex if you want to. And I did because it had been a year, and I was ready for it. And we go back to Gary's house, and we start, like, hooking up. And then he's like, oh, should I go get a condom? I was like, yes, I'm ready. Go get that condom. And as he stands up to walk away, I get, like, a like a real glimpse of, like, his whole area. And he just had, like, the biggest balls I have ever seen and, like, the most angry-looking dick I have ever seen. Like, it looked like it was going to beat me. And immediately my vagina just, like, shriveled up inside of me. I was like, nope this is not the guy you are going to sleep with after a year of not sleeping with anyone. So he came back with a condom, and I was like, you know what, I'm actually not ready. I don't want to do this. It's been a long year. And he just hunches over me and starts furiously masturbating, (laughs) stares at me right in the eyes, goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to come all over you. And I, like, think back to how big his balls were, and I just start screaming. And I was like, no, (laughs) please don't. (laughs) And then he came everywhere. We hugged, and I left, and 
That was the last time I saw him. And that is the, my tale of two Garys and how my life came full circle in a year. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Keep it going, folks. On the other end of the jealousy spectrum, there are times when I realize that people might be jealous of me. One of those times is when a network submitted names for a show that my friends and I had been writing. Um, I realized upon reading the list of names that they had sent us um, for this web series that we had been writing, that not everyone can do what some of us can do. Uh, this show is about uh, a woman in her 30s who inherits her father's family business when her father passes away. Her father is a beloved, respected sex shop owner. And the titles that the company that's sponsoring this thought would be appropriate for the show are as follows. One, passions. <laughs> passions? a good old-fashioned daytime soap opera. Two, exciting. <laughs> Would you watch a web series called Exciting? Could you even YouTube search that? What, what would come up if you type exciting into YouTube? Like maybe a video of a dog eating a burrito. Maybe a video where like the clip is like just a pair of breasts. That's what would come up. Um, and my absolute all-time favorite was the third suggestion on the list, which, I don't know, I think it might make a great theme for this show. The title that they suggested for our web series, give it up for Booty Boutique, folks. <laughs> booty Boutique. I want to go to the Booty Boutique. Wow, 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 wow. Um, thankfully, we came up with a name that was not for shit, uh, and, and it made me realize, like, okay, yeah, I could, I could um, maybe have some marketable skill that others do not have. The other time I realized this was um, to go in on a regional joke here. There is uh, a delightful flower shop over in Silver Lake uh, called Spruce, and they always have, like, a really clever little riff um, on some popular phrase up in their marquee because you're not allowed to have a marquee in Silver Lake if it isn't clever or punny in some way. It makes me miss, miss like the Midwest sometimes where it's just like, Marquis can just say what's happening today. It <laughs> um, <laughs> doesn't have to be clever. So uh, Spruce recently put up and has kept up for a very long time, indicating that they think it's a great one, a Marquis that says, uh, let me take your plants off. <laughs> great. <laughs> Classic. Something they do not seem to be considering. But also a relevant fact, this year is the 10-year anniversary of the landmark pop-punk album, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Yes. They went with Let Me Take Your Plants Off, when it's the 10-year anniversary of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Do you know how many people would drive off the road laughing if they put Take Off Your Plants and Jacket on a marquee in Silver Lake? People lose their minds. Every single day I drive by this, I'm like, you fools. <laughs> Goddamn fools. Uh, we're going to close out the show with an absolute delight. We're going to round it out with Aviva Pressman. Put your hands together. <laughs> So, 
in college, I dated this guy named Brandon. And <laughs> Brandon and I were crazy in love. And we were just like, it wasn't just that we were perfect together, it also felt like fate that we had met because we were in Oklahoma where everyone was like, are you a Jewish? And I was like, yes, I'm a Jewish. Please don't kill me. And then I, I met Brandon, and we were like, yes, we're a Jewish. Don't kill us. And, and we felt like it was like safety in numbers, and we found each other. And, and when college ended, I was older than him, so he was still in school, and I moved. But we were like, we're the perfect couple, long distance, no problem. So two days after I moved, I met this guy. And... Um, we had the kind of attraction that's like, you're like, well, I have a boyfriend, but like maybe he'll just push me up against a wall and force me. And then you're like, I'm not supposed to think that. Like if I think that, then somebody else is going to hear that and they're going to be like, see, women like when you rape them. Rape for you, rape for you. And then I was like, but like no one wants to get raped by that guy because he's a rapist. So I'm like having these thoughts. And so I was like, okay, no, no. Well, the best thing I can do is be open and honest. And so I tell Brandon that there's this other person that I'm attracted to, but I love him, and that's where we're at. Bad idea. Don't do it. He did not feel good about that, and we ended up, after a little while, breaking up. And I was really, really sad about it, because I loved Brandon. And the, let me tell you a little bit about the guy that I ended my perfect relationship for. His name was Sun King. <laughs> yeah, and you're not racially insensitive for laughing. He was white. Um, and he would say really charming things like, racism isn't really that big of a deal. People made fun of me in school, too. <laughs> like, yeah, of course your name's Sun King, asshole. Um, and so I was, like, never going to be with him, and I was so sad, and I thought... If I can't make things work with Brandon, like, I guess I'm not going to be in a lifelong relationship. Like, that's just not for me. I'm, it was not a slutty phase. Like, I'm just slutty. Great. So I'm, like, walking down the street being like, I'm slutty. Cool. And then I go into a bookstore, and I see this book. And it's called The Ethical Slut. And I was like, yeah, yes, please. And so I read it, and I felt, I think I felt the way that people who believe in God feel when they read the Bible, that I was just like, I like testify, like there's a higher power, because it was all about like just be in a relationship and sleep with other people. You just have to find somebody who's cool with that and who also wants to sleep with other people. And I was like, you can do that? So I was like, okay, I am now polyamorous. I'm a polyamorous person. So why is that so funny? Um, so I, um... So I'm like, this is my new lifestyle. And the first guy that I tried to date with this idea did not, he was not into it. Um, and he started just being like, oh, God, but I like you so much, and I could never, oh, and I'm so sad. And, and this was our first date, though, so I was like, you're, like, very attached to me, so this wouldn't have worked anyway. Um, but I gave him a blowjob in his car anyway. And when he finished, he then went, well, now you've seen it. I know, and I didn't know what that was, so I said what, like, every confident feminist says when, like, a guy says something weird about his dick, which was like, <laughs> and then I never saw him again. And then the second guy that I tried to date with my new polyamorous lifestyle was just like, 
yeah, cool, I like dating, and I like fucking, let's try this. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you're either my soulmate or a douchebag, so let's go for it. So we start dating, and it's going really well. We're like open and honest with each other, and we're not jealous because like everything's out there, and we're in the same boat. But we did hit some snags. So the first snag, um, we'll call her Erica, because that is her name, and I don't care about protecting her. Um, she acted like she was cool with it. She was like, yeah, of course, this makes so much sense. You and I, I mean, we really just want sex. It's totally fine. And Brian was like, great. This guy's, yeah. So, um, but then she would see us together, and she would get so envious of our relationship that she would just, like, slap him in the face. And then she'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what was wrong with me. And then they'd sleep together again. And then she'd see us together again. And then, like, one time she left this string of messages where she said crazy things like, you're going to die alone masturbating and thinking of my hot body. <laughs> and, and Brian, bless his heart, heard that and was like, I'm so proud of her. She never used to be that confident about her body. <laughs> and I was like, you're very sweet, but veto. We're done with her. And then on the other end, I was seeing this guy named Ari, and he was a comedian, and I picked him up in the sluttiest thing I've ever done, which is I saw him do a set and was like, I like your jokes, want a bone? And then we did. And... Um, <laughs> Ari likes to choke me so hard during sex that one time I, was, I woke up in the morning and I was not only covered in bruises, but all the blood vessels around my eyes had burst. And if any of you are in the medical community, you know that that's how you identify that a corpse has been strangled to death, is if the blood vessels have burst. So he tried to sex murder me, and Brian didn't like that. <laughs> um, the other thing about Ari is he only ever called me on the phone once, and that was to tell me that I should probably get tested because <laughs> I, he, I, he might have given me an STD. But don't worry, I went to the doctor, and chlamydia is very treatable. So <laughs> uh, and I started calling him the chlamydian, and it was like so worth it. <laughs> Just for that joke. So, but Brian was like, no, Vito, like you're not dating this like guy who tried to murder you in two ways. Um, so we were like, well, we're this polyamorous couple, but we don't have any other partners now. Like we want this lifestyle. So we're like, great, sex clubs. So we start going to sex clubs. And the first time we go, we don't really know what we're doing. So we don't really find another couple to sleep with. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just have sex with each other and it's semi-public semi and it'll be fun. So we go into a private room, we start, we start fooling around, and then this other really hot couple comes in, and they're like, hey, do you wanna? And we're like, yeah, okay, sure. So we start hooking up with them. But then this other couple comes in, and I'm not attracted to this guy at all. And uh, I'm like laying on my back, and Brian and I are doing it, and he doesn't say anything. He just comes over, and he just puts his penis, like, he just drops it on my face. And I've never been to a sex club before, so I'm like, is this normal? Like, I, do I just, what do I do now? But, like, now that I've been to a bunch, I'm like, not normal. What is wrong with you? Ask permission. But since I didn't know what to do, I just, like, sort of, like, moved my <laughs> And I guess, I don't know why, I, you'd think that he would have been like, oh, she doesn't want to give me a blowjob. But he was sort of like, no, silly bitch. Like, I want a blowjob. And just like, <laughs> Until finally Brian had an orgasm and I was like, good evening, sir, and then we left. Um, <laughs> but we went to many sex clubs after that, and most of the time it was really fun. We had a couple other weird things, like 
like Brian got tired of me having sex with this guy because he was already done. So he like reached over and tickled the guy's balls. And I was, and the guy was like, "Did you tickle my balls?" And Brian was like, "I guess so. I don't know what I was doing. I'm sorry, uh, but it worked because the guy was like, "Okay, cool. Um, bye." Um, and then another time, I was having sex with this couple, and they started dirty talking, but it was weirdly passive aggressive. <laughs> like he would be like, "Ooh, it'd be so hot if I came in her mouth," and she would go, "But don't you think it would be hotter if you came in her pussy?" And she would go, and he would say. Well, but I wouldn't it be really hot, babe, if I came in her mouth? <laughs> and they like went back and forth and it got more and more heated and then they looked at me and he was like, Where do you want me to come? And I was like, I think your wife wants you to come in my and he was like, But what do you want? And I was like, I just want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a variety of experiences. And then a year ago, uh, Brian proposed. And he did this huge spectacle because I told him I wanted one. And <laughs> at the end of it, he started to take out the ring. He said, I want to share one more thing with you. And then right as he did that, this other guy came out and was like, it's crazy that you were going to do this the same night I was. And he got down on one knee. And he did this proposal. And the thing about that guy is he was somebody that Brian knew I had a crush on. And right as he got to the end of his proposal, someone else came out with the ring. And like seven different people came out and all did proposals. Uh, and then at the end of it, Brian was like, okay, okay, enough. Will you marry me? Because rather than putting his ownership of me first, his envy about what anyone else could have, he appealed to my slutty nature and gave me what would make me happy, which was proposals from, like, all the hot guys that we knew. <laughs> and, uh, and we're getting married in, like, two weeks. Why am I telling a story? I should be planning that. Uh, and we're going to live sluttily ever after. Thank you so much. <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, uh, I can tell um, generally that you guys didn't really care for the show, but I do hope you come back eventually. <laughs> round of applause if you had a great time tonight, guys. Please get a round of applause for absolutely everybody who has gotten on this stage and either shared something true from their life, which is what everyone else did, or begged for attention, which is what I did. I appreciate that you guys were with me on that. Thank you very much. This has been, personally speaking's first ever show in a big, real, wonderful venue. So thank you very much to Open Space. Give it up for them, guys. Thank you for having them. Um, just real quick before we go, uh, I would love to just have us all just take a vow together. Can I have everybody please raise their right hand? Everybody, everybody, everybody. It's, I promise you guys are all going to be on board with this one. Uh, I vow, repeat after me, I vow... Not to sleep with anyone. We're not done yet, guys. Who puts their dick on my face. Not done yet, because you can do that if you want. Without my permission. Excellent, guys. I'm so proud of you. I'm glad that we all agreed to not sleep with people who put their dicks on your face without your permission. I'm so glad that everyone in this room is up to that. And... Um, the most important thing to remember that before we go home tonight is you don't have to stay here, but you can never go home. Thank you very much, guys. Come on out next month for Personally Speaking, September 9th.
That's our show, folks. Follow us at It's Personal Now on Twitter or email us at personallyspeakingshow at gmail.com. Our show is recorded and edited by Matt Rains, and our show's event flyers, which you can find on the Facebook event pages, are made by Armando Martinez-Celis, whose work you can find at mtzcelis.com. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next month.